And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the TIFO Football Podcast. I'm Joe Devine, and I'm now joined by Seb Stafford-Bloor. Hello, Joe Devine. And JJ Bull the Bullard. Hello. Thanking JJ for stepping uh, stepping in at last uh, minute's notice there. Why can't I talk? I don't know. At, I'm always ready to talk. At late ready notice. Ready to replace people yes. at last minute. Ready to replace Alex Stewart, uh, who's stuck on a train, unfortunately, so can't be here. But uh, he sends his love to all the listeners. Of course he did that. Yeah. Anyway, lots to talk about today. All the big football happened at the weekend. All of the football. Man City, Liverpool. Big, exciting game. Yeah, that was fun for everyone. Everton, of course, making the relegation battle a little bit less interesting than it was before. And uh, oh, Tottenham continuing a, a fantastic streak will come to them. Arsenal falling apart a little bit, perhaps two games in a row. Or is this one game? Have I gone insane? I can't remember. Two games in a row. Two games in a row. And Norwich, probably a little bit too late. Uh, winning a game against Burnley and also helping to make the relegation battle potentially, and we'll come to discuss this, a little bit less interesting than it was before both of those games happened. I don't know. I'd say more. You say more? Or the same. Well, I suppose the level of interest is all subjective, isn't it? And guess what else is? Is not subjective. It's the athletic. Not subjective for the most part because it's full of facts. I mean, sometimes there's opinion stuff, in which case it can be subjective. It can be subjective but I would say the majority of the stuff, at least I read on there, is, is objective. Mm-hmm. Objectively good. Wouldn't you agree, JJ? Yes. I read Nick Miller's nice piece on Friday, sort of, you know, being the, well, not the only person in the world, but one? Uh, one of the only people in the world to ask the question, not uh, will Manchester United appoint Ten Hag, but <laughs> should Ten Hag want to do that? That's very interesting. I liked that. Always a nice take from uh, Nick Miller, the mill man. And you can check that out by visiting theathletic.com forward slash TIFO, theathletic.com forward slash TIFO, where you'll find a 30-day free trial to read the Millman and others absolutely free for 30 days. He kind of preferred Ghostface Miller. Ghostface Miller? Yeah, well, yeah, Miller the killer, you know. The good thing about influence is that if you just keep saying something long enough, it will become true. Yeah. Yeah? Anyway, that's the millman. Fine, uh, I will leave you now in the warm hands and the cool embrace of all of the big football that did happen over the weekend. Should I um, reference the excellent shirt that I'm wearing that we were sent very kindly? Please do, and describe it for the listeners. I know that the viewers will be able to see it. Of course. So if you're if you're listening to this and can't see it, I'm wearing a, a Hawaiian shirt that looks like a sort of SpongeBob SquarePants thing, but with loads of heads of Joe Linton, the mm. Newcastle ball winning midfielder. It's a delightful shirt. Yeah, the Pod on the Tyne podcast. Which, which is the Athletics Newcastle podcast, by yes. the way. If, if, if listeners don't know, I actually think it's one of the best ones in the network. I really enjoy listening to Chris and George. Um, well, they very kindly sent us this shirt and I've decided to wear it. So thanks very much guys, yes. for this. Thanks to Pod on the Time. You should have seen his little face the first time he put it on. Sure. He's got a little bit happier. Yeah. Came out of the, out of the packet. So it suits it you. You know, it's a very bright and colourful shirt. Yeah. And I feel like you're the only person here that should be wearing it. 
Well, there we go. Thanks to thanks to Pod on the Time for that lovely shirt. And JJ will be sporting it for 30 days straight in support of Gillington. Yeah. And of course, Newcastle, who I don't Gillington. think are on the... Um, hmm? Gillington, is what you said. Joelinton. Joelinton. You said Gillington. Joelinton? No, I didn't. I think your, your ears aren't working and you'll hear him say Gillington. Uh, anyway, uh, I don't think Newcastle are on the plate to talk about today, but why would they be? They are very comfortably, not so comfortably, but fairly comfortably mid-table now. Also, not the greatest game against Wolves. They won, and uh, I think they are definitely now safe. But uh, Can I say, when any team wins or loses or draws against Wolves, it's never really the greatest game. <laughs> that feels like a good example of something that you say with enough conviction for it not to be challenged. Yeah. Just put well, it out there. In which case, let's move on. Uh, starting with the biggest news of the the weekend, not the biggest news, the biggest game, Man City 2 to Liverpool. And now I watched this game, as did both of you, uh, and uh, I had a distinct feeling that whilst it was a big game, and what I've come to expect from big games in the Premier League over the last 10 years is that they tend to under-deliver on the promise or the marketing. This one was very exciting. Plenty of goals, plenty of drama, and uh, plenty of fun. Who wants to talk about it first? Oh, I loved it. I love this game. Really exciting. Is that all the things you just said? It was really fun to watch, mm. which is good. Didn't let it down. But that's because you've got two managers who, I think they took on this game as though the more you attack, the more likely you are to win. So you're defending by attacking that old thing. But rather than having, if you think of back in the day, maybe Man United Arsenal, they both were quite cagey with each other. When Josie Mourinho was involved, definitely cagey. So Chelsea you, Liverpool games. You yeah. think it'd be one mistake that uh, breaks it down. But the same way in this game, it's definitely one mistake that'll change the entire game. But I think either side could have won four or five nil. Yeah. It's kind of the thing that, so it just takes one mistake and you're not paying attention and another mistake and the, the score. And the way that City... So that the way they conceded the, the first goal to Liverpool was when they kind of dropped off a little bit the, the intensity. Maybe Liverpool was just naturally more into it or something like that afterwards. But the more they pushed, the harder it was for Liverpool to get into it. And then you saw, like, they started off so well, didn't start quite as well in the second half, which is when Liverpool scored. It's those tiny, small moments of games when Liverpool mm. get back into it. They're both so good. I mean, it, I suppose the thing is it shows the calibre of both teams, doesn't it? Because there aren't, you know, including the rest of the teams in the big six, Seb. There aren't other teams in the Premier League that will face Liverpool or Manchester City in quite the way that they faced each other, right? It's It was just fun. Definitely not. Also, this game was full of really good players doing really good things. I think if you, you go into each of the each of the four goals, you can find something exceptional, either at the route or at the point of scoring. So if you think about Trent Alexander-Arnold's cut back ahead of the Yota goal, Thiago's ball that made it, it's what you want because it's a, obviously these games get built up and they're kind of spectacle. They are the Sunday event and you get the Premier League at its very, very best. And you get these players at the very, very best and you get things which as a fan, you watch and you think, yeah, most other players, so the Alexander-Arnold cutback, most other players slashed that across the six-year-old box, mm. I, I would have thought. Or, you know, the way that De Bruyne beat Fabinho for the first goal, like the kind of the, the quality of movement. It's just special moments in a feature game. And it, it kind of alleviates that feeling that you sometimes get of being cheated on yeah. this kind of occasion. You think this is just boring. It's existing on its own hype. It's kind of a, a little bit of a myth of a match. But so well said, um, in terms of the, how they were competing with each other, it didn't feel, there's no point when they were trying to batter each other. It was pure competitive. Yeah. That the, the amount of aggression you had into it was competitive aggression, which is exactly what I like in football. It was pure football. You're just trying to go against, like trying to beat the other team. You're not trying to like hurt the other team. You're mm -hmm. just trying to, 
like there's there was no like disgusting like weird sliding challenges going in. Yeah, I mean sometimes nothing fun snide. Like, can, like, can I say on that on that note? I saw you know I understand uh, uh, fan culture and it's nice and fun to razz other teams and other team supporters. But I did see a lot of tweets over the weekend referencing how nice a derby it was in you know in sort of air quotes and how basically patronising it. It's not the big derby. It's not an historical rivalry. It's not two teams that have hated each other for a hundred years and therefore it lacks something. I mean. And lots of these tweets accompanied by pictures of players smiling at each other, shaking hands, enjoying the day. And I'm reading these tweets thinking, what's wrong with this? Isn't Surely this is, I mean, it's subjective potentially, but I think that's better. I don't understand how you could use that. These footballers don't hate each other. They enjoy playing a fantastic game of extremely high quality football. Well, one point we maybe should make is that at times... You know, the, the way that we're selling the game is as if it was perfect from both teams the whole way through the game. It certainly wasn't. And that's kind of what made it exciting, right? The football was fantastic. It was played at an elite level. But you've referenced this already, JJ. Many of the mistakes did did lead to goals. There were mistakes made by both teams and it just made the game more exciting. On tiny, fine margins as well. So especially, uh, it looks like Trent Alexander-Arnold's caught out a couple of times, maybe positioning or stepping up. But it's tiny, tiny, mm. like, like inches of, of timing with the runs. That I know inches is not a measurement of time, but... Sure. When the players get in behind, so uh, you look at the, the t- thinking about maybe doing if you're a, a snail. <laughs> thinking of maybe doing a tactical breakdown of this uh, video, which I don't think we're doing now. Sure. The, uh, <laughs> we can just talk, do it out loud on a podcast instead yeah. rather than using the, the board. Things I saw from uh, both teams really highlighting, really very aggressively highlighting from Liverpool, which City knew they would do. They were City rather than playing with like a front five, which they'd normally have, were playing mostly with a front four. But then Walker would be the extra man running from deep, so he was not only a defender using his pace to cover, he was also overlapping constantly to be the extra forward, mm. which is pretty. It's pretty cool and, and normally Very energetic. He's amazing, Kyle yeah. Walker. I think of the player he's turned into under Guardiola. It's yeah. amazing in his thirties, right? Yeah, still able to do that. One of the fastest players you've seen play, and like yeah. And then you had Liverpool obviously attacking the way they normally do. Alexander-Arnold, very influential. But the, uh, it was all about the timing of runs from Man City's players getting in behind the line, the, the Liverpool defensive line, to get on the top of these diagonal balls. And both were looking for diagonal balls, switching the play. City also very compact. So you normally you'd see them um, out of possession. I think the spacing was much reduced for this game. So between players, they were very much matching what Liverpool were doing. So there, yeah. there was a lot of space left on the wide areas for those runs from players like Walker and stuff like that, which is a small tweak. And it's not like a huge tactical like masterclass. These are just things they will have worked on in training where they've gone, I think this is where we can get in at goal by timing this run in behind. And see, I mean, they almost won it, Mares, And this is the thing that, so I, I love Mares. I think he's a great player, but um, <laughs> maybe not, not fair, but... Uh, Lionel Messi scores that. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. You know, players like that—that's the ones who win the dart. Such a weird game. finish to go for in that situation. And you get it though, because Allison's so yeah. far off his line. You see it, and then he's got to adjust, and he's put too much weight on it, and maybe the this scene gets to him. It actually kind of—it was kind of perfect moment to finish the game because I remember thinking after the um, the second Man City goal, like reflecting on how fine the margins are, because if you think about if you break that goal down to its constituent parts, you've got. The cross by Cancelo, which is absolutely perfect. You got the finish from Jesus, which is I, I think kind of underrated. I think it's a really difficult ball to control. Yeah. And then you've got the defensive line, which is a microsecond too slow to react. Allison Ditto. And so joined up, you've got all these moments which are kind of um interdependent of each other. But 
if you make the slightest mistake, you get punished by that level of quality. It hardly seems fair. I think that's part of this game where you like, it's so unfair to to kind of fixate on, I think we all saw Trent Alexander-Arnold getting uh, flogged on, on social media for, you know, defensive uh, fragilities, which seems like something that people say when they haven't got anything to say about Alexander-Arnold. Mm. Um, I think it is relevant. I mean, he is, but you take the, the good stuff but I don't think he he's does. really a fullback. I think that... Um, oh, no, exactly. Yeah. I, I, I think it's it's almost like the terminology for what he does doesn't really exist, like the language for it, because... Well, it sounds smart when you say it now as well, because it's been done so many times. I mean, we've done it before. Well, I've done it too. Like, But it, I, the more you see him, the more it seems kind of secondary. Like, I, I think everyone accepts it. Is he the best defender? No, not really. But is that a prominent part of his job description? No, not really. And so it's kind of fine. It's like criticising a centre-forward for not being particularly good at defending well, headers. Can I say, do you know what box. I think it is? It's like criticising someone who's doing two full-time jobs yeah, at man. the same time for not doing one of them as well as, like, the best person in the world at that thing and also like and for, that's what for it is footballers, right? it's kind of like what they are as a player is an aggregate between what they're good and bad at and you know where's the surplus and mm. clearly with someone like that you you would never want to subdue their creative attacking instincts and the quality no. that he provides and yeah. so you just you just accept the kind of the less good not the bad just the less good parts of his game i bet um, Cancelo gets caught out as well I mean, yeah for sure maybe not highlighted as much because uh, Alexander Arnold is so prominent. Uh, so does Carl Walker. Figure, like, yeah. I, I'm completely with you. I think his evolution has been amazing under Guardiola. Is Carl Walker the best defensive fullback slash centre back in the league? No, and he never will be. But it doesn't matter because of the way that he's used. And it's the same for Alexander Arnold. Mm. piece. And that point I was trying to make on manners, I think, is that uh, I mean, there's the thing. Alan Shearer did analysis of this uh, game in the Athletic. Talks about how he realizes that City are all. You know, the things they've achieved, they've done without a, a forward. You don't yeah. necessarily need a forward or a goal scorer, whatever you say. But if they had someone like Holland or Lewandowski, something like that, he guarantees you more goals. And then that's the difference with like Mares is an exceptional player, but not in the top tier of the entire world because mm. they, and, and the. Which is hardly a criticism, by the way, because what you're saying is he's not one of the best five players in the world. This is exactly what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the thing, and it's not to do with technique, because he can he can score that in training. Mm. He'll do that, yeah. you know, 100 times out of 100. What is it to do with? It's mentality. Yeah. So it's it's knowing exactly where you are, exactly when. And that's the thing that makes Messi such an absolute freak of nature, is mm. that he's then able to do these sorts of things where he's... I mean, players like Lewandowski now is just one of these exceptional players who would finish that. Yeah, maybe Salah would have finished it. It's just... I feel like it's decision making too. Like it's, yeah. it's I think you, you're right. If yeah. you go back through like Messi's goals, yes, Ronaldo's goals, Lewandowski's, it's amazing how often they choose the perfect finish for the occasion. Not just like executing it and converting the chance technically, but actually making the right decision before doing that. It's kind of a. I don't think we can really relate to that because it's such a. Um, I it's agree. Such a, it's a high level it's understanding. It's almost like, unrelated. They're just in tune. Yeah. They're, in, they're, they're in tune with what's going yeah. on around them. They have the force. They are one with nature exactly. of where they are. Yeah, they're, they're, they're chained into the universe. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. But they might only be for a certain period of their entire career. The thing with sure. Messi is it's been forever. Whereas Mares goes through little periods of games where suddenly he is. And yeah. Because remember, it was who missed that penalty, wasn't it? That they would have won. At Anfield, yeah, yeah. A couple of years ago when he, when he slammed it over the, uh, over the See, sand. It's yeah. mentality. There it is. He's got the technique. Could be. Well, anyway, this game leaves uh, both teams, Manchester City, Liverpool, uh, 31 games played. There's one point in it. 74 points for Man City in first. 73 points for Liverpool in second. Mm. Seven games of the season left to play. I, I, I don't think anyone in the world is able to pick the winner at this current moment. I mean, the big surprise, I suppose, and we talked about this a little bit last week, is that the gap was so big two months ago. And now there's one point in it. If you, if you had to... I don't know, if you had to put your hand on your head and do a little dance, would you? 
I wonder whether, <laughs> well, yes, obviously, uh, but I wonder whether this is going to be one of those seasons which comes down to Champions League involvement. Yeah. Because at the moment, you'd say, are, I think both these sides are going to win the rest of the remainder of I the think games. they'll be in the Champions League final But together, then that's right? the thing, isn't it? It's like, who, who balances and who... Couldn't um, it be? Like, wouldn't it be amazing like, if they both made it to the Champions League final, if they, they took the Premier League to the, the final day? Like, I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. we're talking real big fun stuff here, gang. Real fun. I think one of the things about this game is that often as a neutral, because of, the way, because of how big football's become and how kind of conspiratorial and, you know, uh, how many other issues in inverted commas, it deals with. Mm. It's kind of nice to have a game where we're all sitting here on a Monday thinking, wasn't that great? Wasn't that a bit yeah. of skill amazing? Wasn't yeah. that, that decision fantastic? Wasn't that all unrelatedly well, excellent? This you is know, that's, come, that's come, kind of come sort of broaden that point as well and say, uh, we were talking in the office this morning with some of the editors of The Athletic about the game. One of them referenced uh, what Roy Keane said in the aftermath of the game about how both teams sort of refused to to push their high lines back. Didn't yield. Uh, didn't yeah. yield. And, and you know, there's some suggestion that that is uh, an example of, of an incredible mentality uh, because I think the instinct, it sounds like, would be to drop back if you're under pressure or if you're slightly ahead and these te- yeah. neither of these teams did that. I, I, I'm Part of me thinks that they're system-born and bred players by now. They, like, they, they've lived in these systems for such a long time that I don't think going back, they associate going back with defending. That, I mean, that's part, that would be my slight criticism of that comment. But I think the mentality point is still right. And it's lovely to have watched a game which doesn't appear to be reductive in any way. I mean, when was the last time you watched a Premier League game that didn't seem to be reductive, in a, you know, subjectively at least? Yeah, I can't remember. Can't, can't remember. remember. Yeah. You watch any of the other big six teams play each other, there's always some variation of, you know, one of them sits a little deeper, we'll try to get them on the counter-attack, we'll try to do it with three at the back, we'll try this, you know popular uh, uh, style. I mean, this this just felt like pure football. Do you remember in Rocky 1 and 2 where he fights <laughs> Apollo Creed <laughs> and nobody nobody takes back with step. They just punch each other. No one defends, no one blocks. They just yeah. punch each other. They, they just take turns. Yeah. It was a little bit like that, which sure. kind of clashes with the um, no violence and no snide comment sure. right at the beginning. But it's kind of true. It's, it's very It was very pure form of the game. You attack, will attack. Um, no one is going to compromise on their ideology at all. Well, do you know something else that made me feel like it was an old school game? Is it the athletic? No, it was <laughs> the try, I guess, but no. Uh, it was the red fire bucket that was brought onto the pitch when the uh, the smoke, uh, yeah, smoke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. what do they call them? Smoke flare, flare, flare smoke flare, yeah. bomb. Smoke, kind of a smoke thing. It emitted flare, s- flare. Is that a flare? Yes. Yes. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, <laughs> a city blue flare on the field. And uh, the 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 good the good steward that sounds like the name of a Netflix show, doesn't yeah, it? The yeah. good steward, uh, a boring four season run. Yeah, not enough happens episode to episode. Almost nothing happens. Yeah. His wife's absolutely fine. Yeah. Everything's fine. <laughs> yeah. He's got Job's a dog. Going quite well. Well. Love, could yeah. be better. Could be worse. But yeah. it's generally fine. One episode yeah. about the pension. Um, the, the good steward uh, hops onto the pitch with the red fire bucket and he pops the flare and takes it off. I thought I haven't seen a red fire bucket like that since 1997 in a school. Yeah. I didn't even know that they still had fire yeah. buckets and that they do. They're red. I love the fire bucket is red. Is that a universal thing, do you think? Every fire bucket must be red? Is every fire engine red? There's a question. <laughs> you know how they change colours for different things in different countries? I know in America they're red. They're red here. Are they red in all the other countries? Would you remember like, about 20 years ago there was that firefighter strike and they had to use different fire engines and they were green do you remember that no yeah look that up they were called green goddesses there was a a strike over 
something I, I forget what probably really poor paying conditions probably really really poor yeah, paying conditions I think yeah, probably like the, the, historically the poor paying strike. conditions yeah. from austerity and all the horrible cuts they made but yeah go on uh, so they had to requisition some uh, uh, some virgins from a previous generation the green goddesses and oh. you can find photos of them were they JJ, cool? JJ, JJ are you looking up whether all fire engines are red yeah I am because ambulances in America are red as far as I'm aware really I think well maybe they're not well there's a theory so the first thing come up is technology.org and it's very uh, maybe this probably this so there's a theory that it could be to do with visibility red things stand out yeah, very yeah. well on i the thought roads. it was just because yeah. red is fire <laughs> and well, like, i also wondered that <laughs> this is a fire truck but then, they, but then they can make them with like, like um led screens all around the thing so it could have actual fire on it now if sure. you wanted that but then it looks like they're advertising fires and if but anything you, they you, don't want you to get also, rid of them you don't want it to blend into the fire like if you're in a fire and you're looking for a fire bucket you don't want to. You know, they don't drive into the fire with the car. <laughs> you know the that, fire right? bucket. That's how they put it out. They ram they just the fire. Drive in. <laughs> I quite like the idea. I don't know what they call them in, uh, in America. It's a, it's a fire truck, isn't it? But fire here truck, we call them yeah. a fire engine. Mm. And I quite like that. I think yeah. the engine of the fire, it seems, it seems counter, counterproductive, doesn't it? But never mind. Never mind. There so we go. No if you live in a country why. and you're listening, where your fire, fire engines, fire trucks are not red, please let us know. I would love to know that. Um, but uh, for now, let's go to a break. Seems like the right thing to do. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay, and we had an actual break there. So very unusual for us. Now let us discuss quickly. It was uh, was it was this game at St Mary's? Sure was. Southampton nil six Chelsea, I believe. This game. Alex Stewart was going to talk about this game, but he is not here, as discussed. Um, Seb, I think you saw the highlights. We'll we'll maybe we'll let Alex talk about it next week when he gets back, if it, if it's worthy of such uh, from a Southampton perspective. But um, I hear that Timo Werner scored twice. He did, and he hit both posts and the crossbar okay. as well. So he, it's the sure. Timo Werner, not double hat-trick, but we need to come up with a, a phrase. The, the Wernerism. The Wernerism. He Wernered yeah. it. He Wernered it. Yeah, he gave it a proper Wernering. He Werned it. Yeah. Well, he's, he, 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 he did Wern it. Yeah. He scored two goals. Congratulations. I'm, I'm happy for the him. match ball. Almost. <clears throat> not quite. He did, did play very, very well, though. Although uh, Southampton looked, uh, what's the uh, polite word, uh, fragile. Yeah. Fragile. They look really vulnerable. They're in one of those pits of form that they encounter every now and again where they just look hopeless. I can't remember who it was that I saw tweeting on Saturday. I didn't watch this game. It was, it was a 3pm game, so it wasn't shown on, on TV here in the in the UK. But I saw someone tweeting at about 35 minutes when Chelsea were already 4-0 up saying, this feels familiar. <laughs> and uh, I wondered, oh yeah, this is the team, of course, that has lost 9-0 twice. There were a couple of really nice Mason Mount goals in there, which is Mason Mount occupies a really odd place in British football because he's sort of, he's 
acquired this weird teacher's pet mm. reputation because yeah. of the Lampard thing. Also, people he he was he was sort of forced into a kind of binary relationship with Jack Grealish with England because mm. if he played, it generally meant that Grealish wouldn't, and Grealish was as JJ knows new Pele. The correct, yeah, that was fun. He's too um, nice to, to be good. That's well, how he's seen. But he's an awfully good player. Yeah, and there was a his touch for I think it's the Marcus Alonso goal is just it's kind of a nice little reminder that is a very 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 good footballer who does a lot of things really well. He just yeah. he's not flash, no, and I think that's kind of part of his problem. Do you um, think? Do you think this was a reaction against uh, Chelsea's poor performance in the Champions League uh, midweek last it year? It looked a lot like a group of players who had spent the last couple of days being shouted at, yeah, and being told that they hadn't been good enough. Yeah, fired up. They got, yeah, I mean, they, they muscled Southampton. Um, I've just watched all the goals and it looks very much like one of those things where you just, like as a manager, uh, a Southampton manager, there's nothing much you can really do to your players when they're just falling apart like this. Yeah. Players yeah. are panicking, so they start chasing the ball, but then that leaves space for someone else, which means that there's space for someone else yeah. on and someone else comes over. Well, so when they, is panicking useful? In what situation in, in the world? I guess when you're just trying to block the ball from going in on the line. I feel like Everton Man United is a good example of when panicking is good. Yeah. Um, in a way, and we'll talk about that later. But like this mm. was everything that could go against Southampton did. So even they went in at halftime, four 0 down, and you think, what's that halftime team look, talk, looking like? Sounding like it's going to be a kind of right, keep the score down, lads. Let's try and do this. Nil nils, the classic Sunday league morning yeah. um, team talk, and then they concede a fifth within I think about three and a half minutes of of the second half beginning. Sure. And it's just there's nothing to fight for. There's no purpose in panicking. You just think, right, oh, let's just. I hope this is over soon. Was the Titanic built in Southampton? It was. Uh, no, it was launched in Southampton. It was but built it was in Glasgow. In, in uh, Belfast. In Belfast. Yeah, Belfast. Yeah. There's a really good memorial to the uh, engineers of the uh, Titanic in Southampton, though. That's worth visiting. You can actually visit that on your way to St. Mary's if you go, you walk from the train station to St. Mary's. <laughs> Seb knows all the hookup spots. Yeah, it really does. Is there a statue of Leo DiCaprio there reprising his King of the World moment? Yeah, it's not a good likeness, though. Kind of average likeness. Mm. It it looks remarkably like just a normal, you know, instead of Leonardo DiCaprio, it looks like a, just a normal statue with no kind of human characteristics whatsoever. So the likeness is bad. It sounds like you described a rock. <laughs> yeah, it's more rockish than DiCaprio-ish, mm. I would say. Not the Rock. No, he'd have been good in Titanic. Yeah, he'd have been great. Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Yeah. The Rock. Yeah, he could have punched the iceberg to like uh, get uh, out of here. Yeah. He would have saved everyone. Yeah, Leo yeah. didn't save anyone. No. He could have done the people's elbow on the on the glacier. <laughs> he did the people's people's elbow on Kate Winslet when she's riding on the fence on the you know, that would have been funny. Yeah. That would have broken the fence. Mm-hmm. That feels that that feels like a prop that could also be used at a wrestling match, you know. But let's not reduce That's... Dwayne the Rock Johnson to only his wrestling moves. A fine actor with Very a wonderful range. Actor. A yeah. fine comic actor. Yes. Let's I say him, yeah. I have That's a theory good, about actors like The Rock. You shouldn't give them <laughs> Looking forward to hearing you this. You shouldn't give them. You shouldn't give them alternative names in films. They should just appear as The Rock or Dwayne, right? Because what's the point? Because you're not like if you call him um, Steve Clark, for instance, mm. um, in what was the uh, Towering Inferno, Skyscraper. Sure. Film, what's the virtue of him having another name? Because what you're he, saying is he can't disappear into a role I because think he's The Rock. His physical characteristics are uh, so unique mm. and his style of acting and his identity as an actor is so unique that it's kind of futile trying to give him... I don't agree. I would story. have to say when I watch, you know, 
Jumanji rebooted or I watch okay. uh, you know I watched the other guys the other day with when when he and Samuel L Jackson play the the, the hero cops at the beginning mm-hmm. I think he's got a tremendous range I think he disappears into a role pretty quickly I, I think the I best think example of this actually is when his SNL appearance when he plays a variety of characters different sketches but mm-hmm. particularly the one where he plays the mad scientist with mm-hmm. the uh, <laughs> the robot the most evil robot sure <laughs> Producer Don is I don't know why I haven't mentioned what the robot does because it's a sketch, it's on SNL, but I feel like I just shouldn't mention it. I don't think Seb stereotyped The Rock. Yeah. I'm a big admirer of The Rock. The Rock is great. It's just that I don't. Everton won nil Manchester United. Um, this was an interesting game, wasn't it? Quite a boring game, to be honest. Lots of interesting things to come from it. Uh, but actually, I watched this and it was a bore. I didn't. I wouldn't really enjoy United it. Any are moment. terrible. They they seem bad at the Relegate moment. Relegate them. Yeah. yeah. On the on the other side, let's talk about Everton first because they seemed up for it. JJ. Yeah, I mean, the, the, one of the benefits they had of this game to other ones where they've lost is that they've had a few players back. So Allen's been out with suspension. That's a big miss in midfield. Uh, Fabian Delph came in, played as a six, uh, and was very very good. I mean, he learned how to do that under Pep Guardiola. So I don't think for one minute this is Lampard come up with some sort of genius. It's no. just that he's learned all that. Well, as evidence also left alone because no one was trying to do anything to him. Right. But also what you're saying is evidenced by the fact that Everton's players ran 10 kilometres more than United and they, uh, according to what we have written here, uh, they recorded 44 more sprints than United did, which is the most they've outsprinted any opponent in any game this season, which is an up, uh, we're up for it game, isn't it? Uh, is that yes. what that is that what that tells us that the players are, are, are revved up? I mean, I think they probably have a certain level of extra motivation. Again, I mean, I don't want to be super super critical of Lampard or whatever, but I don't know how you. He's trying to get these players revved up for games. That's what you're going to try and do. But I don't think a few words of encouragement, like "Come on, lads!" The team talk for these games is done the day before. They mm. do a meeting where they sit around and they talk about what they're going to do in the game, and then largely what happens is that you'll be in a. I mean, you've, if you played Sunday League ever, people like clap their hands, like "Come on, lads!" Yeah. It doesn't get you fired up at all. You're all. I mean, for me, you're in your own head anyway. Well, what gets you fired? up? when you're playing football um if uh, i'm trying to prove someone wrong <laughs> yeah that's the thing isn't it yeah if someone did something that i thought was a slight on my character i'd be furious oh, and yeah. I, I feel like i'd play better yeah or i'd run beyond the point where normally i'd stop running yeah i think i have to try and prove uh, i mean that's for most of my life actually if someone tells me i can't do something i want to then well, show them that i can here get, i am let's today get, let's get mr bull on the phone yeah um <laughs> Other things that Joe came. spoke to my dad the other day on the phone. I was speaking to him for some advice and things. And uh, Joe just took the phone from me and said, <laughs> hello, Mr. Bull. He's <laughs> a very pleasant man. Um, Everton, they're now four points, I think, clear of the relegation zone. They, I believe, are same number of games played as Burnley, four points clear. They have a very difficult run, but this was a huge win for them. And I think, look, watching that game... We've talked about Everton in, in this it's ever so slightly reductive way before. Maybe we should get um, Paddy or Greg from The Athletic on at some point to discuss it in more detail. But watching Richarlison's performance, mm-hmm. who wasn't fantastic in the game, but he was sparky for sure. Uh, he was aggressive. He, I really liked the little battle between him and Wan-Bissaka. I thought it was, it was verging on aggressive at times and I enjoyed that. But he was a difference maker in the game and I feel like they have him. They've got Dominic Calvert-Lewin who, you know, who's... Still not fit. He's still not fit. And also, I didn't realise, obviously it's because he's been injured for a really long time, but hasn't scored a goal, also the commentator said, since August, which from a psychological perspective is going to to have a bit of a dampener on you. They've got the players to get out of this situation and hopefully 
this win would kick them on in order to to do that. You would hope if you were if you were an Everton fan. Yeah, I think so. Also with Richarlison, he was great without the ball. Yeah. Which is, you always know he's going to express himself. He's a very gifted footballer. But I think um, if you were searching for, uh, you know, proper uh, sustainable positives and evidence that Everton are tuned in to what's happening in the moment, you'd look at his performance without the ball. You'd probably look at Alex Awobi's performance. Ian Wright did a good job on match day of yeah. highlighting his pressing uh, work. Awobi was great. Um, Awobi was good. I thought Seamus Coleman played very, very well mm-hmm. as well. Jordan Pickford had a pretty good game. So there are signs. I just... Both um, goalkeepers, incidentally, had a very good game. Yeah, they did. They did, they did for sure. Uh, I just... Uh, Everton playing Leicester next, and I think that's kind of... Less than an ideal opponent. Leicester are in mid-table. They're not really bothered by the Premier League at the moment. There's not going to be much confrontation or needle in that game. Sure. Um, they're a very technical team. They're kind of a sterile challenge in a way. They're focused on the Europa League, Europa Conference League, sorry. Um, so we'll see. But uh, I don't know. I, I, I think it's a little bit disingenuous for us not to reference just how bad United are. Oh, they for sure. Are, uh, embarrassing. Let's, n- let us begin to do that now. Yeah, yeah. Just for a bit of context, I think. Because that, like, I'm, I'm not one for those running statistics necessarily, or I don't treat them as you would a kind of a, a true indicator of... Yeah of performance but on the base of what everybody saw from United how often like players receive the ball at a standing start for sure. instance one slight positive Go I on would them. say I thought Marcus Rashford had a slightly Did better game than he's had recently yeah. the downside was that everyone else was worse much 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 worse I feel like the difference between him and this is kind of damning with faint praise but mm. is that he was the one main United player looked like he wanted to actually alter the game in some way yeah. the rest were just there yeah. for a Saturday afternoon a bit of football just walking around and uh, there were okay I moments I thought San- Sancho was trying I, I thought he was trying I, I feel like Jaden Sancho is so far inside his own head at the mm. moment um, in terms of his it reputation it doesn't make sense to me feet. him being there even yeah. he does not look happy or he just looks like a, a bundle of frustration also what makes Sancho good what made Sancho good at Dortmund was uh, activity around him pace in the play you know smart decisions being made ahead because Sancho excels when he's asked to use the ball in the correct way and release at the right time he's not someone that beats fullbacks on the outside. He's not mm. a he's not a three or four player beaten in one dribble kind of player. Carl Anker wrote a great piece about Sancho on the Athletic over over the weekend, talking about how he was purportedly bought to play in that empty right wing position and has played more on the left this season so yeah. far, which is something we talked about before. It's worth reading that. Well, it, it's a good article that, and I. But the thing about Sancho to me is, I don't think it really matters on which side of the pitch he plays. It matters what happens around him mm-hmm. because you have got to think of him like a component. He is not a. He's not a Messi or a Ronaldo or a Gareth Bale. He's not that player at all. He is someone that you put into your team to make other players better. And you look at, for instance, the relationship he he, he developed with um, Erling Haaland at Dortmund, mm-hmm. but also Marco Royce. And you look yeah. at how they excel as a result of what he does, not necessarily him as the exclamation point on the end of moves. Although mm. he scores goals and assists, of course he does. But he feels very misunderstood and... I'm not saying he, Jaden, feels very misunderstood. It looks, the perception is of a misunderstood player. And that has to be fixed because he's enormously valuable. He's, a, he's an excellent footballer. It's just that it's not working. Well, even when I was texting you about this thing, I was not, noticed is that, because Juan Bissaka uh, underlaps quite a lot. It's something yeah. that Madam noticed in one of our videos, actually. Juan Bissaka underlaps a lot, which means he kind of has to stay wide to keep the width of there. But then he'd often then be 1v1 with a fullback or 2v1 and he just never watched to take him on. But mm-hmm. in that role that's exactly what he has to do so he's better than playing as an inside forward where he's running inside where he's probably best because he's right footed mostly um, off of the left um, I thought Rashford was alright I don't think he was I mean I don't think he had a particularly good game and wasn't really it just doesn't drop for him and when you have that lack of com- maybe a lack of confidence which he might have I think that that stuff just kind of happens it's that weird part of he's not in tune with nature 
That's very much yeah. what Rashford is, not just now. Yeah. And so things aren't dropping for him. I thought Ronaldo was trying to get involved by dropping out to the left quite a lot to get in the ball. Well, mentioning Ronaldo, we should also reference, of course, that the police have launched an investigation into the incident with the phone. What is a weird mean? episode. Did you see is. this? Yeah. 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 Where he, I mean, what, I mean, apparently seemed to just slap a phone out of a young Everton fan's yeah. hand. And, and um, I think the, <laughs> the hand is injured. The mother of the Everton fan made a police complaint or something. I'm not sure, but it, it's a very strange... Yeah, he he has since apologised for yes, it on yes. social media. You know, it feels great like when, stuff. When you he watch, looked very frustrated all game. When you watch these Man United players at the moment, it seems like within that team, it's kind of good enough not to be the worst player. That's the objective, isn't it? Like yeah. You're, as long as I'm not, I don't stand out for doing something truly. Well, you can awful, hide in the crowd for sure. I can hide in the crowd. Yeah. I can hide my my it's bad. It's like when form the whole class at school is bad. Yeah. You yeah. sort of no one really gets punished that much yeah. because yeah, you yeah, yeah, you know yeah. as long as you're do, not the, the worst, they can't fit all thirty children right. in the chokey. You remember the chokey, the, the cupboard from Matilda? Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. Is that what it's called? The chokey? Don't know. I think so. Do you remember the, the Matilda? I think it's called the chokey. I mean, the other thing with them is that the captain of the club is kind of subject to lots of ridicule all of the time. Right. So Maguire, and then he'll make yeah. a loose pass that sends out, and that's the captain, and then he just kind of gets on with things. There's a bit where, was it the ball comes off Nemanja Matic's hand, and Harry Maguire puts his hand up to appeal for the free kick against his own team. Mm. I don't understand. But to be honest with you, if you're Harry Maguire now, you, you're probably trying too hard. Like, I know what we've just said for about sure. hiding in plain sight, but the conversation around him has become so extreme and silly that these kind of things are going to happen it's not his fault that he it's was bought as this massively expensive player and then made captain those seem like two very poor decisions and also played in a role which doesn't really suit him i thought maram did a great job with that video and explaining kind of his dilemma and we did something on the illustrated channel probably about six months ago about it was written by tom warville actually about how he should be used and where he should be in the kind of the proactive defender passive defender sort of uh, a spectrum and it's a difficult gig. It really, really is. You're you're a very expensive player in one of the most visible teams in the world, especially and that club. Like the, the that club global right now, focus like, on it. Also, you're in you're in the glare of everybody's glee in a way because you get people like well us. Like you grow up, and United are brilliant all the time. They're brilliant. They stamp on your team every year, twice a year, knock you out of cups and tournaments and everything, and they ruin everything about your season. When they're bad. Everyone loves it, and everyone loves a Man United player who becomes a. It's getting quite fun. boring now, though, isn't it? Now, it now is. it's just sort of now it's sad. It's a bit like you know the scene in the American High School film when, when the when the bully first gets you know yeah. gets his comeuppance, you think, oh, that's you deserve it, and then when he he has you know, nine has years nine years of comeuppance, come you think, oh, actually, I feel bad. This people, is wrong. People always grab onto those moments, and they will force themselves to find it funny, like. Mm. Um, some of the moments are funny, but um, that's why someone like Hammer Aguirre is in such a, a difficult slot because um, he, his own fans aren't exactly rallying around him, mm. and rival fans enjoy a big footballer, a, 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 a big high-priced footballer falling on his ass every week. Do it's, you know what I find funny about it? Tell me. When fans or people, when people laugh or want to laugh together or show that they want to laugh, even if they don't find it funny, you know, all they're really doing deep down is they're looking for connection. They want to connect to someone, yeah. right? That's the instinct there. Harry Maguire is a human being. He probably wants to connect to people as well. Imagine if you could just connect with Harry Maguire in a nice way without all the need for the laughing. Everyone's problem would be solved with kindness. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. 
Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. We've only got eight minutes yeah, before this podcast finishes, so yeah, we have to move on very quickly. Yeah. And kindly, let's move on to discuss Aston Villa nil, Tottenham four. Seb, you were accused this week of uh, of diminishing the conversation about Tottenham so as not to oh. curse the performances, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess no, let's I do just do move that. on straight away from the game and not talk about it at all. Sure. It's the last game of the uh, Scottish Premiership for the split this weekend. It's very exciting. Yeah. No one involved with the Scottish Premiership or Sky seemed to promote any part of it. Well, like I, I expect had, that's to do with the audience size. I mean, they had the Dundee derby, the Edinburgh derby. <laughs> did they? They had all and the derbies. Teams like Aberdeen didn't make the split, the top six. Oh, did they like, not? No, it was like a huge weekend. Aberdeen are not in the top six? They're not in the top six. That is they dreadful. That is bad. Really poor. That uh, is very, very bad. As the, I think, honestly, the lack of promotion of that weekend. So they're trying to grow. That Sky have the, the contract for this, um, the, the Scottish League. They don't show all the games every year. <laughs> this is one thing which is bad. Yeah. There's no sponsorship on the, the cup and as well. But the whole thing things kind of it's just really really poor i actually got invited to meet the aberdeen chairman on thursday did you I randomly got a private message i went to meet wasn't dave. that random was it? i, I doubt it was random dave cormack do you think what you saying they just picked a random 11 numbers and it was your phone i think uh, i think it was no, probably they targeted they, they targeted you based i think yeah. on how many followers not random at all oh, yeah. Uh, yeah influencers sure of which I definitely am not. One of the Aberdeen influencers. Yeah. yeah. No one in Aberdeen. Who's the biggest Aberdeen influencer? Who's the most famous person from Aberdeen? Yeah, that's that's oh, a better that's question, good. actually. Yeah. There's some very famous scientists that come out of there. Um, I'm trying to think of any of their names. Uh, Ian Jess. Oh, wow. Yeah. He's, from, he's not, not a scientist. No, he's a footballer, but yeah. Uh, Mr. Alex Ferguson. The five famous most famous people to oh, come wow, but from Dennis Law. Dennis Law, wow. yeah. Very famous, yeah. Emily Sanday. Yeah, the singer, yeah. Annie she's, Lennox. She's from Ellen. She's from oh, well, she's from, not Ellen, she's from, uh, well, Annie Lennox is from Ellen. Uh, Emily Sandy is from another, uh, Afford, I think she's from. Lord Byron? <laughs> but I am half a Scot by birth and bred. He'd have come for one of those massive estates, wouldn't he? Uh, Paul Laurie, who I don't know. He won golfer. the Masters. A yes. golfer. Or the, no, he won the UK. When Paul, Paul Laurie won, the, won the, the, the Open when uh, Jean van der Velde hit his ball into the lake, and oh, into the little river, right. and went into the river to try and play it in his socks. Well, speaking of golf, yeah. I watched some of the Masters golf yeah. yesterday, and guess who I saw on the coverage of the Masters golf? Who? It was Harry Kane, <laughs> who'd flown all the way over to wherever the Masters Golf was taking place in, in the deep like south Augusta, of America. Augusta. Augusta. In Georgia. And was wearing a lovely pair of shorts um, and was just having a fantastic time talking loves about how much he liked to be there. Loves his golf. Yeah. yeah. All the yeah. best to him. So anyway, did he score any goals? Got invited to meet Dave Cormack. It was very exciting. Oh, very sorry. Yeah, go he on. Was, carry on talking about Aberdeen. Oh, no, it's not. Yeah. It's incredibly interesting, but um, very much... Uh, trying to get a message across of what things Dave Cormack has put in place at Aberdeen, which is actually very impressive. Dave Cormack is who? He's the chairman of Aberdeen. He's the one you met. He's been involved in the board for a long time, yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. People are going to actually get angry if we don't talk about... Just talk about Tottenham for one minute, please. And I okay. promise, listen to listeners, I know 
We didn't talk about your team. I'm so sorry. We do try to do it uh, over the course of the season, spread it out. Tottenham are scoring lots of goals at the moment and not conceding many. Very exciting. Okay, so I want to talk about some of the direct football because uh, obviously the fourth goal Tottenham scored at Villa Park speaks for itself. The direct football, I heard it branded as a kind of, um, some pundits call it kind of lucky hoof. You know, just lucky hoof. And, and yeah, <laughs> I think that, I think that some one, of the goals are based on a lucky hoof. <laughs> I think it's the name of like actually, one of the dragons actually, from How actually, to Train actually, Your Dragon. Actually, actually, you just keep saying actually. Yeah. If you look at some of the goals, the construction of some of these sort of more direct bits of football, they're actually quite well orchestrated. Mm. So, for instance, look at the third goal Tottenham scored. Now, nice flat long ball from Christian Romero. Mm. Look how quickly Son reacts to it and is moving into the space to take advantage of the K knockdown. Also, also, look at the first goal, which um, that is not a hip, hit and hope ball. It's a um, stretch of the defenders, have Son Heung Min running towards the back shoulder, but allowing Harry Kane to drop into the pocket of space Son, behind Son's it. got a hat trick. He did indeed. Congratulations. But the point is, is that it's there's a little bit of planning and this is not old school Wimbledon football. Um, good football team has to be able to kind of challenge the defensive line in both ways and Tottenham mm. doing that really well. So sure. you've got this nice hybrid of intricate passing football and control of the ball with um, a slightly more direct approach, which was a little thing under Pochettino too at times. Yeah. Um, okay, well, thanks yeah. for that, Seb. Much appreciated. Strange old game. Strange old game. Strange old game. Absolutely. Also, shouldn't referee games like that. No, because I agree. that no shortens careers. That is, uh, yeah. you know, there's being physical and then there's being kind of, then there's, as a referee, setting a bar so low that you can't really book players for the rest of the game. Sure. And that's how players get hurt. Sure. Not sure. Good. No, fair enough. Okay, that happened a little bit. In the, well, as I said to listeners before, Alex Stewart, uh, who was supposed to be here today, was uh, was watched the Arsenal, Brighton, and Norwich Burnley game. So unfortunately, we, we can't really talk about them. But uh, promise we'll be back to our best next week. You know, and uh, I hope everyone who's listened has enjoyed themselves. Today. Hey, we've got a, a live stream on Wednesday night. Too. That is right. We're doing a live stream on Wednesday evening. Uh, starts at 10 p.m. after the Champions League games. We'll be talking about Tuesday and Wednesday night's games. Very exciting. The conclusion, the dramatic conclusion to the, to the quarterfinals. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, so we'll be doing that. Um, and indeed, we'll be doing that sort of throughout the rest of the Champions League rounds on Wednesdays. So join us then on the TIFO IRL channel. But for now... Thank you, JJ Bull the Bullard. Thank you. And thanks to uh, Seb Stafford-Bloor. Thank you, Joe Devine. Also, producer Don and producer Adonis. All the best and, 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 and many, many, many thanks. And yeah, we'll be back next week with hopefully Alex, if the trains are working. Yeah. Take care and ta-ra. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.